I had to wait for it to get that. Just hit me with the truth part. Episode 6, 2, 5, and 10. As always, I'm KC, a host accompanied by Ben Stewart. Benny, give him a shout. What up, what up? Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I had to go with the uh, NSYNC bye-bye-bye intro just off of uh, what we're firing it up with. Kind of breaking news today. Happened a little earlier today. King's Gas, John Stevens, and his assistant. What do you think? Uh, we can do shout-outs after. I just, I don't want to ruin this intro. Color me shocked that the Kings with the oldest roster or the second oldest roster in the league behind Minnesota ended up firing the assistant coach from Daryl Sutter, who they fired two years ago. I mean, I, I know it's been a tough go for him. I mean, when you have one of the top goalies in the league and he's hurt and he's out, obviously it's going to be tough to win games. And like you said, that whole turnover of older players and it has just not been a good start. Um, I do find it crazy how last week Rob Blake came out in the media saying he's not firing the coach. He's putting this, yeah, he, he's just putting it on the players. And then, of course, that comes out the week after. So with that, it's just one of those things of, yeah, tough go, tough start. Enjoy that lottery pick, though. I heard that uh, Hughes kid's pretty good. <laughs> well, not if the Rangers have anything to say about that. Yeah, but... battle of the battle of the basement. I love it already. They signed Kovalchuk to help the offense, and they're actually, I think, 28th in the league in scoring this year. He's a defensive-minded coach. They were replacing him with Willie Desjardins, the former AHL hotshot that got his first uh, job in Vancouver, a little more offensive-minded. I was a little surprised. I thought they would bring in uh, my old boy, A.V., veteran coach, used to coming in and turning teams around, having a more open system. But we'll see if uh, Willie can turn it around. And he replaced Stevens' assistant with uh, Marco Sturm. I know, my boy Marco. Um, we'll see how it goes. I don't think he's actually had any coaching experience. I think he's been a pro scout for him for a little bit. Um, he's some of the German national team, too. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And um, No, I mean, I, I think player-wise and dealing with players, I think he'll be fine. But uh, getting down to the X's and O's and stuff, it could be a little bit of an adjustment. But at this point, when you're already this deep into the thick of it i don't think any of that really matters probably just preparing for next year even if it is for a coaching staff and like you touched on a quick injury is he past the point of being a workhorse workhorse goaltender he's failed to reach 60 games started in four of the last seven years including this year he's 32 years old 33 um, I know they have no choice but to go all in with this roster based on how Rob Blake has built it. Because uh, once this core is run its course, there's no future. There's no pipe uh, system coming up with prospects. They have no really talented top line or top pair young guys already on a roster. So they have to run with it. But is putting all our eggs in the quick basket going to backfire on them a little bit? It kills me to say it. But, yeah, I think so. I think with the injuries that he's had, and, and they seem to be all lower body, which is huge for a goalie, whether it's a groin and now it's his meniscus. Went through that with Richter. Yeah, I think uh, it's unfortunate because, I mean, I, I liked watching Quickie play. I mean, he's the reason for two cups there. So just off that alone, it's tough knowing that. I mean, it must be tough for him knowing that the end's here. Like, I mean, what is he, 30, 31? Like, he's still relatively young and. Yeah, and they and they still owe him term and money too. So 
mm-hmm. they're definitely going to have to ride the wave on this one. What's second cup? I don't remember 2014 at all. Oh, crap. I keep forgetting about the uh, the short-term Alzheimer's <laughs> that you got there. Close concussions. Only wipes out one year. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. You know how these things go. Yeah, we'll go see Willie can turn it around up there in L.A. And the worst part, too, like now that you said Willie, I honestly don't think, like, I get you do it on, like, you kind of go in on a whim. But I don't think Desjardins the guy to do it. They thought he was the guy in Vancouver, and that didn't work out good either. So, yeah, I, he's replaced by Torch, right? Yeah, or did he replace Torch? It was one or the other. It was either he replaced <laughs> Torch or Torch replaced him. But either way, neither of them lasted long there. So that's going to be a uh, definitely a little bit. Oh, actually, I just pulled it up here. So for Jonathan Quick. He is five point eight million until twenty twenty three. So they still oh. got one, two, three, four. So five more years left on his deal. Oh. Brutal. Hey, it's a, it's how the great can fall, man. I mean, you, you get a number one goalie, you lock him up, you did the right thing, and then a couple injuries will ruin all that. Couldn't have happened to a better organization. <laughs> Should we go with uh our new segment right now? Should, should we just hit him with the uh, our yeah, we got uh, breaking news at the start of the show? Breaking news, start of the show. First sponsorship, first ad read going on. Uh, I guess the worst part about this ad read is that we didn't actually write anything up for it. So uh, <laughs> doing it on the fly per usual. But we're going with a scoop better than the rest. And we talk about a scoop better than the rest. Noah comes to mind. Lizzie's Ice Cream in Harvard Square, Cambridge. 29 Church Street, you walk in there and you ask for Fastville. You ask for El Chinito, the owner, the big handsome guy, and you tell him that you listen to 2, 5, and 10, and instantly you will get 17 cents off of your ice cream. No questions asked, right off the top. If you're going to go with a flavor, my personal favorite is the Lorenza Ozone 5-hole flavor. It is just a mix mash of... There's chocolate. There's not like it's just phenomenal. So do us a favor. Do Phil a favor. Swing by Lizzie's Ice Cream, 29 Church Street, Cambridge, Mass. Tell him that you're a two, five, and ten listener. And like I said, you get 17 cents off your first order. It's ice cream, people. We're not asking for anything crazy. 17 cents off. Money in your pocket. Phil's a hockey guy. You could sit there and talk with him. He'll love it. We love it. We love him. First sponsorship. Bang. There it is. So the breaking news for the uh, scoop better than the rest, Pecorino, he was due to become a free agent at the end of this year, franchise goalie for the longest time to natural predators, actually inks a two-year extension worth $5 million per year, making less than Jonathan Quick on a shorter term. And he is Nashville's all-time leader in wins and shutouts and brought him to the Stanley Cup final a couple years back. So they have some security and goal for the next two years for this cup window. Yeah, and the other thing, since we're talking about pecs, too, is uh, just got off of IR, but it seemed like UC Saros there kind of held the cage for him a little bit, too. So I think Nashville from the DN and from out of the cage is looking pretty good and locked up for a while now. So big up to the Preds and David Poyle and the big, handsome La Filoni. Uh Keep that train rolling, boys. Uh, funny thing about ice cream flavor is the least popular is Tim Thomas's All-American. <laughs> but uh one other thing if we're going to scoop better than the rest can we just discuss 
Elias Peterson, Pedersen, whatever you want to call him, real quick. Dude, call him Pedersen, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. He's don't care. Um, dude is on fire, like legitimately tearing up the league right now. Um, I saw this stat the other day. Um, so out of his 15 points, he currently has only one of those points is a secondary assist. So 14 are primary points where he's either scoring or he's the first assist man. Did you see the pass he made the other night to Brock Besser? Oh, when he banked it off the end boards? Uh, dude, like, that's usually something you see with someone who has a lot of experience and, you know, knows someone that they're playing with. The, the, he's what? He's 18, 19. He's doing with Besser, who's second year in the league. Like, these two could grow together, and they might have something really good cooking there in Vancouver. Yeah, the Sedins used to do that all the time in Vancouver, so that's probably where they got it from, but... Yeah, Pedersen's developing a really great on-ice chemistry of Brock Bowser, uh, his right winger. Uh, Pedersen's fifth overall pick in 2017, 15 points in nine games. Uh, I saw a tweet by Ray Ferrara, a longtime analyst, longtime player. He said that watching Pedersen early in his career, he's getting the same feelings as a fan and an analyst that he used to get watching Datsuk early in his career, which is pretty high praise. Yeah, I mean, when you can get praise from Ray Ferraro, who, I mean, played, is a part of the game now, like, it's not like Ray's a slouch and he's like us talking on the radio. He's like real deal and actually knows his stuff. So you can get a quote from him or just any praise that to be the president of your fan club. You let him be the president of your fan club. That's how it works. And he was, Pedersen was named Rookie of the Month uh, for October, and he missed two weeks with a concussion after the Matheson hit. So he played in half the time, Rookie of the Month. Uh, it's a nice story in Vancouver. They seem to have nailed their recent drafts, Brock Bosser, Pedersen, Bohovat, but they're going to fall off, right? They can't keep this up. They're young and exciting. I'll give that to them, but they're not going to finish in a playoff, in, uh, the playoff racket identity year, do you think? I don't know, dude. I, I don't want to flip-flop because I didn't even have them in the mix at the beginning <laughs> when we did our predictions, so I'm not going to say now that they're in. I'm kind of with you. I think the the kids are going to play. I think Patterson is definitely going to do a lot, and he's going to be the story there, which is good that there's some sort of story out of there. But, um, no, I I still think they're kind of rebuilding. I think they're kind of like Buffalo a little bit where they have, they've had good drafts. They have young players coming up, and right now might not be the year, but in about you know two, three years, I think they're definitely going to have something really good there. Yeah, and I mean – it's interesting because you have the young team in Edmonton. You touched on the young team in Buffalo. They've had success in the drafts for the most part, but they've just never have been able to get over any type of hump in, in terms of really contending for a playoff spot or a division title. And Vancouver started tanking two years ago for the most part. And they've already seemed to have a little bit more success with their on-ice products. And you never know, but Pacific Division is basically all clumped together Vegas is disappointing. San Jose is slumping. LA is just fired their coach. So you never know. Maybe they make a run for it in there this year. Surprise team like Vegas was. Do you think they'd end up being like pissed? They were like, you know, we had a chance at getting both of the Hughes brothers to play together, and now we actually go for a run, and then we get like trounced in the first round, like all time worst. Yeah, you never want to be in the middle. You either want to suck enough to get a quality prospect at the top of the draft, or you want to be good enough to contend. Being in that little purgatory area is the absolute worst. The worst. Um, speaking of the worst, 
I think the NHL dropped the ball on this one. Uh, we talked about Borvietsky and the suspension he ended up getting last week for uh, elbowing Vakaninen. Sits out one game, next game back in, then he gets a three-game suspension for a headshot of Dallas Eakin on the Vegas Golden Knights. Dude, the NHL always preaches, always preaches the repeat offender and this, that, the other thing. He he just sat out a game, and then you gave him a three-game. Like, I think they dropped the ball on the suspension part of it here. Because you want to talk about repeat offender, and then the next game he's getting another suspension? I think you have to hit him hard here. I don't think three games is enough. And he's been suspended before. It's not like the one game where he got for his elbow was the first on his track record. He's just an idiot. You know, the elbow, I could have excused a little bit when he was playing against the Bruins by just trying to keep the crease clear after the whistle and his emotions got a little better, the best of them. This one was just an unnecessary, almost blindside hit, uh, which was uncalled for. And if he keeps playing like that, this is the guy that came out and said he doesn't want to fight anymore for his own health. And he's going out there and purposely injuring other players, and if he keeps this up, he's not going to be able to keep away from dropping the gloves because he's going to have to back that shit up. But he's just a fucking idiot doing that in his first game back. I think it was like the first period, too. Yeah, you know, what a stand-up guy, like you said, that he's talking about, you know, doesn't want to fight because of his own future and everything else, but he's going to give everybody else headshots. So definitely a guy you want in your lineup. What a dick. Uh, And he was the face of the franchise, right? He did the interview with Eugene Melnick. To pump up season ticket sales. Yeah, I mean, didn't even put his teeth in for that either. So, <laughs> I will say, uh, just slightly off topic. So he got suspended for the hit on Cody Eakin, but I want to give you a shout out for, you know, helping me reminisce about the Oilers' old head coach Dallas Eakin, who was almost named the oh. Rangers' head coach <laughs> before they settled on AV, which would have been a complete disaster. I was going to say, so, when I said Dallas, I'm thinking, I'm like, I definitely messed up somewhere. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, he was the <laughs> assistant. And the uh, other big news, it's a few days old now, but Austin Matthews, he took that shoulder-to-shoulder hit uh, from Jacob Truba of the Winnipeg Jets. The Maple Leafs announced that he's going to be out at least four weeks with a shoulder injury. They didn't really go into detail about the severity of it or the specifics of the injury, but based on how he responded from the hit and the timeline of at least four weeks, I'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark and with my professional medical opinion, which is none, and say that he probably fractured his collarbone. Uh, so how do you think his injury impacts the current roster and uh, their success for at least the next uh, four weeks? I'm just really surprised that they even with this injury nylander still isn't signed nylander nylander whatever you want to call him i don't care um the fact they still haven't signed him is they're playing hardball man whether it's toronto's side or whether it's his side but the fact that this injury happened and he's still not signed a week later that's huge news um i'm with you on the other end i mean matthews is on fire and a i mean you spend a month off the ice but b then trying to come back and rekindle a chemistry or a flame i don't think it's going to be that easy and like you said i mean for him whether it's a fracture or a torn muscle whatever it is they're not doing surgery so they're just going to let it hail on its own um 
for him being so young and getting something like this, you just don't hope that it lingers later into his career, just something being a constant, speak, you know, a guy speaking with shoulder injuries. That mm-hmm. Even now, you, you still feel him doing simplicity. You, you might be raking and you feel like this sharp pain shoot right down your arm. Like, oh, awesome. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you again. Yeah, I mean, just to follow up on your two points with Nylander, I, it has to be Toronto for the most part because – they're not budging from their offer of the annual salary, at least for the salary cap purposes. So unless Toronto panics because their offense has been struggling uh, recently, Toronto's not playing that well, and they up their offer to Nylander, or Nylander decides to take a bridge deal, so take a two-year deal. You have Connor Brown and Patrick Marlowe who come off the books in two years, and their combined salary hits uh, the long-term salary that Nylander is currently looking for. Uh, either one of those two things happen, they have the rest of the month. If he's not in the lineup and signed by December 1st, he can't play the rest of the year. And I don't see him getting traded in the next few weeks. So either he sits out the whole year and nobody wins, or somebody's got to make a move here with Matthews out. The other thing about Matthews, he played all 82 in his rookie year, and then he missed 20 games last year, and he's going to miss at least 15 games this year. I don't know if it's something where he's injury prone, but if you're getting injured this frequently at 20, I wonder if it's going to fall where he's in his late 20s, early 30s, and his body doesn't heal as quickly, and he's not a franchise center in a sense of being able to rely on him for 80-plus a year. In in fairness, too, it wasn't like it was a dirty hit either. I mean, Truba just came, cleaned him out, like just to play in front of the net. So it wasn't like, oh, you're the number one player currently and I was coming at you. It was just one of those, a defenseman doing what defensemen do. So, yeah, I don't know, dude. And the other interesting part about Nylander, too, at least on my eyes, is nothing's been done. And if they do plan on trading him, they're going to have to eat a little bit of it because if they're desperate enough just to get something in return, you know, you get close to that deadline and you offer them something that might not be their 1A, it might be their 1B or their 1C. At that point, I mean, it's like, take it and move on. Just because, like you said, December 1st comes around, he's out for the rest of the season regardless. So, Yeah, and and superstars getting traded uh, during the season, even the offseason, they don't garner as much of a return as you would expect. You look at the Koval truck trade, the Heatley trade, the Marin Hosa trade, all superstars all brought back mediocre packages in return. So I don't know if Toronto fans especially are going to sit there and say, why didn't we get back four first-rounders and two top prospects or like a Brady Shea or something like that in return if he's dealt to the Rangers. I think they're, I think Kyle knows that up in Toronto, so I don't think he's looking to trade him, but one of them is going to have to budge, and they're going to have to do it soon because he can't just jump right into NHL action the day after he signs. He's going to need a couple, probably like two weeks in the A. And the other thing, too, is Mitch Marner just looks that filthy. That's why yeah. he's not budging. Like, crap, I'm going to have to pay him, too. Yeah, Toronto's playing hardball because they know they got two other big deals coming up. Well, if we're going to stay in the division, I guess we'll talk about something that happened last night. My boy, Brad Marchand, knows face. Um, he goes in and he gets a phantom high-sticking call on Colton Sissons of the Nashville Predators. Uh, completely missed his face. 
but Sissons has raises the head, grabs his face, and Marshy gets a two-minute high-sticking cough or something that didn't happen, and then he got the extra stuff because on his way by Sissons, he completely jumps to the ice holding his face as if he's been high-sticked, and then proceeds to get a two-minute unsportsmanlike and then a 10-minute misconduct, so he ends up getting 14 pims in total. Um... I think it's a riot just because, I mean, to see someone go that far as to calling somebody out is funny. But at the same time, too, coming from Marshan, who's definitely embellished his own on a little bit, to me it's kind of like, where do you stand? Where do you toe the line? But uh, I definitely got a kick out of it. I would definitely give him an Oscar. It was pretty good seeing him out there flopping around. It was definitely funny. I saw it last night, and I laughed pretty good at it. Like you said... Marsh End is the last person on a hockey rink anywhere in the world that should be able or should be getting on someone for embellishing or diving or getting phantom calls. He's one of the worst offenders. I mean, he literally jumped Lars Eller for taunting the bench when they played the Capitals early, earlier in the year. And now he's going to do that to an opposing team at center ice because he's pissed off at a call. You can't have it both ways. So knowing Marsh End, yeah, he's going to embellish and everything else. It's just the lack of self-awareness as a non-Bruins fan, I think, made it even funnier. I don't care what anybody says. It was funny. So <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it was funny, but, like, Marshan, sit the fuck down. Like, really? <laughs> he was pulling a Theo Fleury, to be honest. Like, Fleury used to do that all the time. Oh, Jesus, but Theo Fleury was, like, the all-time worst. Like... He was he would legitimately go and launch at your head, and then if you turned and looked at him after he did it because he was such a dirty piece of shit, that he would like flop to the ice because he knew that like you'd want a Marty McSorleyum just like take two hands and just smoke him right off the head like that would be. Oh, well, one of my most memorable moments as a Rangers fan going through the dark ages when he missed the playoffs eight straight years in a row was Rangers Islanders at the Coliseum. And Theo Fleury's doing that chicken dance on a bench, the Islanders bench, because they were scared to fight him. Even though he's like 5'8", 150, 160 pounds, doing that chicken dance. If that's the memorable one of the memorable moments, that's all you need to know about what being a Rangers fan was back in the day. <laughs> but speaking of the Rangers, as promised on last week's uh, podcast, I went to the Sharks-Rangers game uh, last Tuesday. I uh, saw so the Rangers take on the Sharks at the Shark Tank here in San Jose. Uh, the Rangers won uh, in a shootout after San Jose came back and tied it with 1.9 seconds to go in the third. Uh, Rangers won in a shootout. They're going actually for the third straight win tonight against the Sabres. Uh, but a few observations from the game. Hank is still Hank. Uh, hurt his shoulder in a second after Cody fucking McLeod slid into him. Uh, almost came out of the game, but made several vintage saves. Classic Lundqvist. And late in the OT period after San Jose tied it with 1.9 to go in the third, he had to make a glove save on a Brent Burns slapper with under a second left. And after the game, he said if he gave up that goal there, he wouldn't have made it through the night. Uh, so big save there. Rangers' defensive structure is so much better than the last few years under AV, uh, which is mostly coaching, but also moving on from Dan Girardi. No more snow angels. The Rangers still trying stick handle at the blue line and a power play, which was fucking infuriating sitting in the stands. Uh, and the big thing I've been harping on this, 
every episode. The Rangers have no finishers on offense. They carried the play for the most part against San Jose, who is the better team. Kept the puck in the San Jose end, just couldn't finish. The only finishers they have are Kreider, and he's mostly on a breakaway, or Sabanajad, and he only scores when he's on a power play. Uh, so that's one big area the Rangers can improve upon. But Kevin Shattenkirk with the winner in the shootout. I shit on him every week, but he got the winner this time. Well, that was just like an in-person. He wanted to shove it up your ass. He's like, you know, I listen every week, and I hear everything you say <laughs> about me. So here you go, Benny. Suck on that. Um, yeah, I told uh, the friends I was with, I was like, when he came out for the shootout, I was like, he's going to shove this up my ass with the game when I watch this. <laughs> and when he geeked out Jones and scored, I was like, I'll take the win, but goddamn, do I look like an idiot. <laughs> From your standpoint there, how good does San Jose look? I know they lost in the shootout, but I mean, from A to Z after the Carlson acquisition and Burnsy and Jumbo, like, how do they look as a whole? So I know I caught the Rangers on a good night and I caught San Jose on a bad night. Uh, they lost the game after, I think, to uh, the Devils, and they were losing this afternoon to the Flyers. I don't know what the final score was, so they're struggling a little bit right now. But Carlson and Burns basically split the game. If Carlson's coming off the ice, Burns is coming on. So they got 60 minutes essentially covered. Braun comes in now on the right side every so often. But Carlson and Burns basically eat up the whole game. Uh, San Jose, their offensive uh, power is still there. Like They dominated late in the third period. I wouldn't worry about their offense. Uh, The only thing is Jumbo Joe. Like, I know he's a veteran, he's smart, he still has soft hands for those assists, but he is a statue out there. He can't move after those knee injuries. <laughs> like, they stick him on a power play, but when he has a back check, at one point, he just came on the ice, so he's not tired, but the range is coming up on a rush, and Vlasic actually had to take his stick and shove Jumbo Joe forward to give him an extra boost to get back on a back check. And that was fresh. So, I don't know... They're going to have to give him a couple weeks break here and there, a couple games as they gear up for the playoffs, but Joe is on his last legs. It's unfortunate, man. Joe was a, he was a treat to watch. The last thing I want to say is fuck Tomas Hurdle. One of his first games in the league, he dropped five on us when Marty Biron was in goal. Does shit against anybody else the last couple of years, and then he's the guy who scores the game, uh, the tying goal with 1.9 left. So he continues to torment my dreams. Well, if you want to talk about tormenting dreams, um, I believe it was our first episode. I absolutely torched the Islanders about how awful they're going to be if I'm Barzell, I get out of town. And currently, they are sitting at the top of the Metropolitan Division with 17 points. Uh, completely shoved it right up my ass. Um, but no, th- they're playing. They're winning games. I did not predict this. I still don't even know what to make of it. So off to you, Captain Ranger. What do you, what do you say? I mean, last week, we both picked the lock of the week was Pittsburgh at home against the Islanders. And not only did the Islanders beat them in Pittsburgh, but they beat them on the back end of the home-and-home, too. Uh, They've won five in a row. It's not really their offense. Like, they have a couple contributors. Brock Nelson's having a good year. Josh Bailey, Anders Lee. Uh, Brian Pollock on D's looking all right. But I think it's the goaltending. Robin Lehner, Tomas Greich. 
They are both have over 925 save percentages. Uh, just on track record, that will not continue to be the case as we move forward. So I think we're pretty safe in our prediction of the Islanders not being in the playoffs. But it's always good, you know, this early in the year, be kept on our toes and make, make us look like idiots before the deadline. Yeah, like uh, Thomas Grice, Robin Leonard, like you said, both above 925. Goals against Leonard is a 2.45. Grice is a 1.85. Um, yeah, I mean, they're getting it done on the back end. Uh, they're seeing a lot of rubber. They're, they're both basically split in time. And is it? I think it's weird saying that in the sense of they have a dual goalie system going on, like legit. Grice has played eight games. Leonard's played seven. So... It's basically a split. I don't Did know. School pending, Kevin. <laughs> maybe the maybe the Bruins can make a move for one of them at the deadline if Chuka keeps it up. Yeah, but the problem, like I said in the beginning, was like episode one. Lou Lamarillo is too smart, and he would not take Tukarask. So that's the unfortunate <laughs> part. But is what it is. Yeah. So we'll see how long to keep that up. If the Islanders, I'll make this, I'll, I'll say this now. If the Islanders win the Metropolitan Division, if you comment on this week's episode within three days, I will buy you an authentic jersey of your choice. Every single one of you. Mark that down. Because if that happens. Dude, if that happens, the pod's over. Like, I don't think, that, like, I don't think we can torch somebody. Like, I don't think we can torch somebody that bad at the beginning of the season, and then they end up winning the division. Like, yeah, obviously we know nothing. Don't ever listen to us again, and you shouldn't. And that'd be it. We had one go, one season, and that, that's all we have to offer. Well, speaking of going away, or hopefully going away, kind of changing up the tone of the podcast a little bit. Uh, some other news that came out within the last 10 days is uh, suspended Kings defenseman Slava Voinov has started the process of applying for reinstatement into the NHL. For those of you not familiar with the backgrounds, uh, he was suspended after the 2014 season for literally beating the shit out of his wife. Uh, he went to jail for two months. Uh, when he got out of jail, he took off to Russia and, and decided not to appear in any immigration hearings uh, that he was supposed to attend. Uh, his wife has stood by him. They're still together. Uh, I think they've had one or two kid, other kids. Uh, but he's been in a KHL in Russia ever since, making $4.5 per year. Uh, he has an appeal hearing date set for July 2nd in L.A. Superior Court. Uh, he was trying to get the domestic violence charge dismissed since his wife didn't want to cooperate uh, with the investigation. If it doesn't get dismissed, he can't come back to the league at all. He won't be able to be allowed back into the country due to his immigration status. But if it is dismissed, the Kings still own his rights, uh, even though they terminated the contract because he retired and hasn't sat out a full season due to the suspension. Um, before I get your thoughts, I just want to go into a little bit of detail uh, about what happened that night. If you have experience dealing with something like this or you just don't want to hear it that's fine i just want to give you a little heads up uh but he punched her in the jaw at a halloween party with a closed fist when they got home he repeatedly choked her 
uh, kicked her five or six times all over her body, shoved her into a TV that cut her head open and required 14 stitches. And she was screaming for him to stop so loudly that multiple neighbors heard and called the cops. And all this was going on as their seven-year-old daughter was at home. So that's the type of guy we're dealing with here is trying to come back into the league. And there are teams reportedly interested in signing him if he is reinstated. Go ahead, Kevin. You stay away from this completely. Um, I know the NHL isn't like the NFL in the sense of Goodell is the the judge, the jury, and the executioner. But this is one thing that Bettman does not want. This would be an absolute monster. It, it's along the lines, granted there's no video, but it reminds me of Ray Rice punching his wife or girlfriend out in the elevator. You stay uh-huh. away from it. Even if you reinstate him, I think that's one of those things that you tell every owner, you do not sign him. You sign him, you get blackballed. Like, there's just... This sport, I think it's huge because when I worked in the AHL, we had a lot of NHL guys that were... Well, retired NHL guys that were scouts and so on and so forth. But, I mean, like, absolute gentlemen off the ice like you know what the fighting happens on the ice but off the ice you know you kind of just do your thing um i don't want to name one of the guys because obviously we're talking about domestic violence and this is a whole nother thing but one of the guys that we used to have was a legitimate heavyweight in the league like he, he fought for a living we were there and in front of one of the ladies we were discussing the game and he said shit legitimately he said the word shit and he said, oh, my God, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have said that, blah, blah, blah. And this, the, the female started laughing. She goes, I hear so much worse than that. Like, you know, he's like, but no, that that's just not me. That It just came out, and we were just talking. She's like, legitimately, don't worry about it. And, and I think that's one thing for NHL guys where off the ice, they are just complete gentlemen. On the ice, sometimes it's a circus. Sometimes it's bananas. But you got to be able to draw that line. And like I said, this guy going and tuning up his wife is not good for the league, not good for him. Keep him in Mother Russia, and that's it. Like, I don't know. I have nothing to say for it. I kind of disgusts me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, so Batman does have the sole responsibility of having his meeting with Voinov and deciding if he wants to allow him back into the league or not. Uh, the NHL has already had to deal with something similar to this at the beginning of the season. Uh, they suspended Predators forward Austin Watson. I think it was 23 games for a uh, domestic violence incident, which him and his wife have denied. Uh, and the suspension was reduced to 18 games by an independent arbiter. So the NHL has taken a hard stance on this, at least in terms of suspension uh, this year. Uh, if it was up to me, if I'm Bettman, there's no way this guy gets back into the league. Um, it's just not only a bad PR look, it's just how would you feel if you were on a Bruins or if I'm on a Rangers and I know talent is talent and I know young offensive-minded right-handed shot defensemen are in demand around the league, but if you're in a locker room and this piece of shit shows up for a training camp on the first day, you know, we've both been in hot hockey locker rooms as players. We've both been there as uh, working on a uh, professional side of it. 
we both know how closely knit that room has to be in order to be successful. You may not like everybody, but you know if push comes to shove, you have each other's back. I wouldn't give a fuck if anybody two-hand chopped this guy in the face every night. And that's not good for the team. Oh, it's not good for the team. And then the other thing, too, is you know what it's like being in a locker room. You've got a lot of guys, a lot of different personalities. But like a lot of guys, you're close. You know what happens with guys, their wives, and everything else like that. Like, that's like this guy trying to give you, like, personal advice. Like, hey, when you get home, if she says anything to you, you know, chop, chop. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, you are legitimately crazy to bring him into an NHL room because there's going to be someone there that is going to tune him up. Yeah, and just on a personal note, like, this guy can go fuck himself. I'm sorry. I know people have to deal with certain things, and a lot of people are, when they do their due process, not due process, but they do their time, they're repentant, they seem uh, apologetic for what they've done in the past, most of the time, I'm on board with giving him a second chance. But not only has he not apologized or seeks to give off the impression that he regrets what happened that night, it's the, the mentality of personal experience with it on my end. I don't think there's anything worse, for the most part, than you know, laying your hands on someone you're supposed to love, you know? And I know this is a hockey podcast, but if I ever saw him, I'd beat the living fucking shit out of this guy, and I hope he's never skates in an NHL rink again. Well, speaking of locked up, do you want to go to your uh, lock of the week? Nice transition. Uh, I've, a little I've wider of a topic. Now. I've been working on it. I've been working on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we're both 0-1. Uh, last week was our first um, segment for lock of the week. This week for me, I had the Vegas Golden Knights over the Montreal Canadiens, and they play on November the 10th uh, in Montreal, but I'm going to be taking the Golden Knights as my lock of the week. My lock of the week is Monday, November 5th. I have Philadelphia visiting the Arizona Coyotes, and the Yotes are winning, baby. The Yotes are on a tear. The Desert Dogs. Desert Dogs. They're on a five-game win streak, so I'm liking the Oats right now. Ranta finally seems like he's uh, found his place on net, so excited right. about that. Kids are taking off. Uh, game of the week, so a little different than lock of the week. Uh, game of the week is our pick for the game that's going to be the most exciting or compelling. Who do you got? Hold on, my computer's playing its game with me. I had it up here. It's moving. Uh, you go first. Let me pull this back up over here. Sure, I'm running the risk of possibly claiming your game as well. But on November the 8th at TD Garden, I had the Vancouver Canucks come into town to play the Bruins. Uh, we were, obviously have already talked about the Canucks, but I think one of their big tests early in the year is their East Coast swing. And especially playing a legitimate Stanley Cup contender like the Bruins, be interesting to see how those young kids uh, play in the spotlight. Here we go. Now that my thing popped back up, I didn't want to shoot out the wrong date or anything. I have Thursday, November 8th, I have the Islanders at Tampa Bay. I think mm-hmm. uh, both two, the, so the top of the Metropolitan and then the top of the Atlantic, I, I think it's just going to be a good game. Um, like we said, we really don't trust the Islanders by any means, but I think currently in the standings, you got to look at number one versus number one, and we'll see what happens. 
And lastly for this week, we have today in NHL history. In 1977, Phil Esposito becomes only the third player in league history to reach 600 goals. Uh, it's since grown by then. Former Rangers Shanahan and Yager have joined that group. In 2003, Mark Messier passed Gordie Howe to become the second leading scorer in NHL history uh, by scoring two goals for the Rangers against the Dallas Stars at Madison Square Garden. And in 2017, so very recently, Andrew Cogliano became only the fourth player in NHL history to play 800 consecutive games and only the second in history who started with his NHL debut. But he only made it to 830 games in a row before he was suspended for two games. So womp womp. I know I'd still be sour about that if I was him. There were so many people that talked about that and they said that was one thing where the NHL should have been like, just let it slide. Because he probably could have still had the streak going right now. But if I was somebody back, you can find me five million dollars. Just don't suspend me. <laughs> yeah, just just take the hit and keep going. And I know we're having a this day in hockey, and it hasn't happened yet because it's happening tonight. But both the Tampa Bay Lightning and Ottawa Senators, who debuted in ninety two ninety three, both are set to play their two thousandth regular season game tonight against each other. And can two franchises be heading in any more opposite directions? No. <laughs> no. Um, uh, and before we wrap up this week, uh, I know we usually start off with giving us giving our shout outs, uh, but we'll wrap it up this week by doing those. So, Kevin, who do you got? Well, well before I give a shout out, I want one more uh, stat line here. I, I did like. Oh, okay, drop it on me. Th- I did three minutes of homework. Um, as of Friday, I didn't get the update as of yesterday or today, but um, in points this season. On the Colorado Avalanche, uh, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Gabriel Landeskog had 63 points. The Kings' entire roster had 63 points. So um, definitely two different ends of the spectrum. But, um, yeah, shout-outs. I have Big Red, as always, my my love, the the apple of my eye. Um, I had to give a shout-out to my outlaw, Laura. And I I was chirped today by my sister that – I never give her a shout out and I'm like, you never asked one. She's like, I asked you every time. I'm like, no, you don't. So um there's your partially asked for shout out, Sierra. She was lovely walking down the aisle with at your wedding, by the way. You know, she was all right. We'll keep her around. <laughs> maybe uh, she's a good luck week. charm because she's out in Colorado. So maybe she's bringing some uh, good Boston luck out there to the avalanche. Well, hopefully she's able to lift her arm and hit play on our podcast with all the weed out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, shout outs for me this week. As always, the First Lady, Anna. Uh, you can give me my $5 now. And I'll give a shout out to my boys, Karin, Viggy, and Matt. Uh, they have started to listen. And they're my boys out here in San Francisco, which is not an easy thing to do for somebody who does not like many people. So shout out to uh, the three boys out here. And we will take any listener you have. So so you hit share, you hit like, and you get us more followers. And before we call it a day, not trying to get too political, but Tuesday is election day, people. I know it's the midterms. I know it's not as sexy as a presidential election, but do us a solid. Go get some ice cream from Lizzie's and go fucking vote. Oh, dude, they got a big one out here, too. They're having... um. 
a, a yes on no, uh, a yes on one or a no on one for nurses. And dude, it, it like it's like split fifty fifty. It, it's a little ugly. Um, my wife's a nurse. I I hope the best for the nurse. It's like legitimately, they're they're awesome. They kick ass. But I mean, like every nurse I talk to has a different stand as to whether it's yes on no or no on one. I keep saying yes on no, yes on one <laughs> or no on one. Um, wherever you feel that it should be, I, I hope you guys vote, like you said, and um. One other random quick thing I know before we go, I'm already holding it up per usual, but um, Mike Condon the other night let in this, like if we're going to go from the top to the bottom, lets in this awful goal from center ice, and then he ends up getting waived the next day. Ottawa just says, here you go, down to the miters, here you go, clear waivers for everybody. But um, I must just say, it looked like, Nick Lorenzo out there like they were shooting it from center <laughs> ice right through that five hole so yet again if you people love ice cream Lizzie's ice cream Harvard Square ask for the Lorenzo ozone five hole chocolate dip you will love it it is phenomenal go vote go vote good night Canada we love you we'll see you next week Be a homebody. We're gonna have a